0: You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Lisa Congdon is an artist, illustrator, and author of seven books, including her most recent release, A Glorious Freedom Older Women Leading Extraordinary Lives. Lisa is a swimmer, biker, animal lover, speaker, and advocate, and was named one of the 40 women over 40 to watch in 2015. On a more personal note, Lisa created the artwork for this podcast, and I feel so lucky to have Out of Line, visually represented by her creativity. Lisa and her wife, Clay, live and work in Portland, Oregon, so we hopped on a Skype call to record our chat. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you on and get to talk to you a little bit. I was just thinking about how many years I've followed you on social media, which I've been calling social media lately. And I hope, it, I hope, it, I hope it catches on. <laughs>
1: do you listen to um, Two Dope Queens? Is that why? No, that? no. Do they? do they say so, that? Two Queens is like one of my favorite podcasts and they call it Soch Meats and it cracks me up every time.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, apparently, nope. I, I, you know, I didn't know that it was from them, but.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know if they invented it, but, um, but they, they use that term a lot.
0: (laughs) Okay. Amazing. Well, I'm going to listen to the podcast today and I have to, now that I have to know what it's all about, but I love that with following you on the social meds, that it's also been something that I've gotten to know you in real life as well. And kind of, the weird dance of the online reality and the offline reality being two totally different things. So it's really fun to have you here and just kind of get to talk about that a little bit. And um, yeah, how many years have you been online and how many years have you been an artist?
1: Okay, so I first sort of entered the online world back in 2004. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> which seems like an eternity. Attorney- well, although there are people from like live journal days who've been on since the nineties. So in some ways, like compared to some people I know online, it hasn't been that long, but of course, compared to a lot of other people, it's, it seems like an eternity. So yeah. So in 2004, two things happened. I joined Flickr, which I always like to think of as like the original um, visual social media platform, even though it was so clunky and is now feels so antiquated i mean i don't I don't know anyone personally who still uses it, but at the time, it was like where you met people and posted pictures mm. and I also in two thousand and four, maybe early two thousand and five started a blog it's a different blog than I have now, but it was my first blog and basically, I was going through a period in my life around that time where I was experimenting with a lot of creative things. Like I had, um, I started my, my first career when I was in my early 20s was I was an elementary school teacher, and I did that for like six or seven years. And then I went to work at an education nonprofit organization in San Francisco that worked in public school. So I was still working in public education, but I was working more in an office. And while I loved my work and I was super passionate about education and social justice and all these things that the organization was working on I felt like the sort of like creative I don't know I was dissatisfied creatively or I felt like something was missing from my life and to be honest I might not have even known that it was creativity or whatever so at the time I was sort of like in a searching place I was in my early 30s I was trying to figure out who I was and what I was about and, you know, the meaning of life and all those things. Mm. And I just started experimenting with sewing and drawing and painting. And like, I have no artistic, formal artistic training. So this was all just like something I kind of did for fun at first. I took a few classes and at the time, and this is in the early 2000s, Internet was starting to become a space for people like me who were dabbling in new creative endeavors and the sort of DIY movement was starting mm. and, you know, blogs were starting. So people were starting to blog about art and craft and I got really into reading those blogs and then I started one and um and again I had a full time job. I had no aspiration to become a professional artist. This was all purely for fun for me. In fact, I sort of thought of myself as somebody who had really clunky, bad artistic skills. Oh my I gosh. Was just sort of well, it's funny at the time compared to how I work now, they were pretty bad and clunky, but you know, I obviously there was something there.
0: Yeah, it was in you. It's always been in you.
1: Exactly. I remember my sister, one time I was over at her house and this was probably in 2006 and I was drawing. And again, at the time, 10 year, 11 years ago, my drawing skills were not nearly what they are today, but I was, I was drawing and she and my niece and nephew who are now teenagers were little kids at the time. And they were sort of mesmerized by watching me draw. And she commented to me later that, you know, cause I was sort of like technically the least creative person in my family. she, you know, she was like, oh, this thing has been in you kind of latent your whole life, because obviously it comes fairly naturally to you. You just need to practice. Mm. And I was like, that's a really great point. So the rest is history. I sort of like started making art around that time, was also on the Internet at the same exact time, was sort of sharing my experiments. And then slowly I started getting inquiries from stores and different places and just individual people who followed me online and wanted to buy something that I had made. So by 2006, I sort of had my first show at this little shop in Seattle. And that was kind of the first time I remember identifying as like, oh, I am an artist. Um, And I had really only been drawing and painting for a couple of years and my work so different than it does today. Mm. Um, and then by 2007, I left my job to try to make a go at making a living as an artist. And that was really hard for the first few years. I think people imagine that everything is seamless. Like Mm. they, they look at, they look at you now or, and they say, or any artist who's successful and they're like, just assume you've always sort of worked that way. And it's surprising to me when I remind people that I struggled at one point that, Oh, absolutely! You know, people are like surprised, like as if I've all—I just sort of popped out of bed one morning, decided I was going to be a professional artist, and like started making <laughs> six figures or something. You know, like I—I I think that it's just people need to remember it never comes easily, and it requires a lot of hard work, and it did for me. And so, but you know, eleven years later, here I am.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I—I, I, as a side note, just from my own experiences, I—I um, I often have found in the things that I've started and and tried, that it really takes me three years of, you know, busting my, busting my ass to really keep working on something with a lot of intention and focus. And even, even then it takes three years for it to really be something that's profitable and something that is well known enough that people aren't just like, you do what? But it sort of has a reputation and it has whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever the business is. And so, yeah, I think you're right. It can be very, overwhelming, I think, especially since we're talking about social media, especially with social media, when you've got this sort of feed that shows all of the good, it can be really difficult to look at it and also see the struggle um, integrated into the story and also to see like the evolution of where someone started and how hard they've worked to get to a point like where you are now, where you could quit your job and make six figures being an artist.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's like both inspiring to people, but also like people who want to do it themselves. They look at when they understand or when they begin to understand that it takes at least three to five years to even sort of begin to make your mark. It can be like, oh, do I really like, you have to want it pretty bad. It's so true, (laughs) you know? And so, because it can feel like daunting and overwhelming to people and, you know, there's so many people out there doing what we do now that it's very, um, and that people also, I think, suffer from a little bit of like, how will I ever stand out or fit in for that matter?
0: Yeah. Yep. That's so true. So when you started, um, with like a social media online presence, was that something that you ever thought this'll be how people start to know me? This'll be how people kind of find my artwork and get to know me in any sort of way
1: Well, it's interesting, you know, when I first started using say like Flickr, like way back in the day, for me, it wasn't even like, there was no, oh, I want to build an audience for my work. That sort of intentional thinking didn't come until later. And fortunately it was around the time that Facebook and eventually Instagram popped up as places where there was this. We didn't, none of us knew it at the time because whenever a social media platform begins, you never ever know how it's going to take off, right? Like there's actually a few of them that started and crashed already.
0: Sometimes I still get emails that's like, you have a new notification on ello and I'm like, "Elo!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God, fucking Elo, man. I, that's so funny. I just am dying when I think about that. But anyway, so- Yeah. Or Vine or like a lot of these places that I think were predecessors to a lot of the platforms that we use today, or even like Periscope, you know, you know, now there's just all these live feeds on Facebook and Instagram. So that's what people use, um, Mm. in some ways for at least people of my generation, Instagram sort of Trump Snapchat, you know, so you just never know what your platform, what it's going to do for you. And so, but I must have had some sense that, um, you know, and I, I think I did have a sense early on, or I understood that I needed to get onto platforms early, get my username and try using them because I understood that potentially this could take off. And part of why I have a lot of followers is because I've been, you know, there's, I call them kids, like millennials who, <laughs> you know, they, they have like three times as many followers as me and they've only been on social media for like four years. Right. I've been on social media for a super long time and I have a decent following, but it's partly because I've been on it for so long. Yeah. Um, that I've just, my following has grown over such a long period of time. And I don't, what I do isn't super gimmicky or like clean or curated or polished as some people. And that's probably why, and that's okay with me. I just like to be myself, but, but I understood in the beginning, yeah, this is, these platforms have the power. And for somebody who self-taught didn't, I didn't come from an academic institution. I didn't have any connections in the art world. My only hope of making it was through social media. I didn't have money for advertising you know, I, I understood that this was this way that was free where I could completely design my presence that could have the potential to do amazing things for me. And, and I, and I think that's part of why I focused on it and I do it differently than some people do, but it has really, I mean, I, I wouldn't be where I am or who I am without social media. So in some ways, like going back to 2000 and five or six, when I started thinking like, Oh, maybe I could potentially someday make a living as an artist. I knew that when I, you know, had first had access to social media, that this was the way it was going to happen. Like, I think I understood it. No, I didn't understand how far it would take me or the potential it had, but I understood on some level, this was my only chance because, um, you know, because I was kind of a nobody and I really do think it has both leveled the playing field for a lot of us who didn't come from art school and didn't have connections in the art world and were, you know, maybe starting later in life, but it also in some ways like saturated the playing field. So I stand out cause I started early on and, um, but I think it's harder now to like get on social media and make a name for yourself. You really have to have kind of something special because um, there's so many people trying to use social media to like promote their creative business, um, or their talents and skills. And when I first got off the media, that wasn't the case. Like I, I was one of the few people in the beginning. I've just been doing it for a long time.
0: That's so true. And I have heard people say kind of like the, well, it's too hard. So I'm not even going to try because it's so saturated or, you know i'm going to work i'm going to work my ass off and i'm going to pour my heart out and put it all onto the internet and then no one's going to see it and so i think that is definitely something that's quite daunting for for artists and other people as well who see social media as something that is crowded and everyone's taken all of the original corners and yet there are still people that i find who are fairly new, and they are their work is amazing. Or even even people like I think of my friend Justina, who is an interior designer, and the work that she does. I mean, she's like blown up overnight in in front of me. Like I've been, I've watched her. I remember when I had more followers than she does, and it's just that she. Yeah,
1: yeah, I remember when I had more followers than she does. Like it's kind <laughs> of nuts. How, there are certain people, and she's definitely a great example who, um, who literally have, there's something magical about what they do that people are drawn to. And, um, and so for those people, it's like pretty amazing.
0: Well, and it is so unique. Like what she does is, and what I think similarly, like what you do is so unique. When I see someone repost your work, I'm like, oh, that's Lisa's work. It's it's not samey. It's not kind of something that I see again and again. And I think people are really hungry for that. They want originality and they want something that is inspiring and, and shows a little bit of a different, angle on the world. So with Justina, like, I mean, she was always like, Oh, what I want doesn't exist. So I'm going to go create it. Um, and I think that those people will always stand out and rise to the top because they, they are the ones who are really pushing what is original and they're really pushing themselves to, to create what they want to see and not just kind of work with what's already there.
1: That's such a great point. I think that there's this idea of, like if you can figure out what's different about what you do so that you're actually setting trends or you're diving into new territory, um, that's a different than what people are already doing. Like, you know, of course there's nothing completely original, but I do think that the more different your perspective, the greater the chances that people are going to want to follow you because so many times, you know, how like, a Instagram in particular suggests accounts that you should follow based on what you already follow. Yes. And yeah. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll look and I'll say, Oh, that's cute. But it looks like a million other things that I already see. Uh-huh. So I don't press follow. But if I see something that's like different or unique or like edgy in some way, I'm always more apt to follow that person. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people.
0: Absolutely. I so agree with that. So with you and with your with your journey of being online since you have been online for so long, I'm really curious to hear what has it been like to have the line between, you know, real you and like online offline. The online Lisa and the offline Lisa, were they sometimes the same or has there always been kind of a really clear differentiation between the two?
1: You know, it's interesting like I feel lucky. And then I feel like I'm, and this might just be an illusion um, that I carry around with me, <laughs> but I do feel like I'm sort of one person and I don't feel sort of like there's a offline Lisa and an online Lisa. I really try. And sometimes I'll even like, it has to be intentional. Like I'll start to write a post and I'll say, Oh, that, that doesn't actually sound like something I would normally say. So I make sure that I say it in a way that I would say it to somebody's face. And I think that for me, the part of why my followers like to follow me or the ones that are sort of devoted are because I am sort of this person who they think they know. So on the one hand, that's great, right? So people, they see me as a nice person or somebody who's inspiring or somebody who tries new things. Um, And so I know this because I get a lot of comments and emails from people and that's really wonderful. Like I do feel like I want to project this, not a version of myself, but like just myself online, Mm -hmm. um, with all of my quirks and fears and things that said, and we can get into a discussion about this idea that, you know, that people, what people's perception of me is in a minute. But the good part of that is that I'm, I get to be my whole self, the hard part about that is that people do sometimes think that they know me, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Because there's only so much that you I mean, people probably that they know that I'm a nice person. They know that I like to swim. They know that I'm devoted to making art. They know what I look like. They know that I'm married to a woman. They know that um, sometimes I struggle with You know, stress and anxiety. They know that, you know, they might know lots of things about me. But you really can't know somebody's personality online. And I think part of what might happen for a lot of people, and I know that I kind of do this too with like, I admire someone and I'm following them online. I think I know them. Like, I think I know their personality. And people will sometimes come up to me at public events. Um, and because I'm, I have a lot of followers and I've been online for a long time and I show pictures of my face, you know, once every couple of weeks, people know what I look like. So people will come up to me either in public or at an event and they'll say, this is so weird because I know you, but you don't know me. (laughs) Uh And my gut reaction is like, no, you don't actually know me. And that does never comes out of my mouth because that would be rude. Like people don't mean (laughs) it. People don't mean it in a, you know in a weird way and I actually had this event a couple of weeks ago here in Portland it was called the drink and draw where people just come and draw and have beverages and um enjoy summer weather and this woman came up to me and she's like I have to ask you is it so weird that all these people are here because of you and we know you but you don't know us and I actually did say at that moment like and I and I said to her I don't mean to be rude when I say this but you don't actually know me you mm. You know a lot of things about me. You know what even parts of the inside of my house look like, but you don't know me. You can't know somebody unless you hang out with them in person and you ha- build a relationship with them. And, um, and I think it's dangerous on a couple of levels to assume that we know people. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I made this, um, post on Instagram that went viral and it was about social media and how we often, it it's, can inspire us and make us, you know, think in bigger terms about what our life can be. And those are all really positive things. But a lot of the time, what social media does is it makes us feel terrible because we look at all these other people and we say, looking at their work or their life makes us feel like we're not doing the right things, or we're not doing it fast enough, or we're not working hard enough. And all of these Things can actually be really damaging to us. Mm. Um, And what really matters in life are your human relationships with actual human beings that you interact with when you're not on your phone. And the post was viewed like 50,000 times and got like almost 900 or 1,000 comments. Like it's crazy. It Mm. it, It was the most insane Instagram post ever. And it was just this little video I made that was like, hyperlapse of me writing some things that was like less than a minute long. And I think the reason it resonated so much is that social media is such, it's like this new place, right? Like it's uncharted territory. We don't know what it's doing to teenagers. We don't know really, like it hasn't been around long enough to even study the effects of it on us mm. and how it some people to feel anxious and depressed. And, you know, like I think there's all these really amazing things about it, but one of the hard things is that we compare ourselves to other people or we think, that people live these perfect lives and they don't. Everybody's life is wrought with a lot of hardship. Everybody's like some people's lives are easier than others, but like we all have pain. We all have things that happen. We just don't show all of those things online. And so it gives us this very filtered perspective. And I know I'm contributing to that to a certain extent. I try to be as real as I can, but I can't show everything about myself. I'm not going to take a picture of myself, like sitting on the toilet. I'm not going to take a picture of myself, like, you know, getting into an argument with my spouse. Like this is, um, you know, I, so to go back to your original question, I have to keep part of my life private, that's for my own sense of privacy and like feeling like not everything is on display for people, but I want to share just enough of my life so that people understand I'm not perfect, but still people or that I have this perfect life. It's such a tricky balance, Caroline. I'm struggling with
0: it. It's so, and it, it is, I'm hearing you loud and clear because it is such a new frontier. It is something that We don't have years of data of of this is how it affects your brain, or this is you know social media affects your psychology in these ways, and and especially like you said for even kids. I mean, for us, I'm like, well, at least at least our at least our brains are enough. Our lives were that's right. We didn't have it at all, and so there we at least have some sort of purity of of our our hardwiring in our brain but for kids I'm like, oh geez like they don't even know they don't even know what life is like without it so it'll be really fascinating to watch the next the next generation grow up and grow up online and watch how they're different and what that looks like but for for us right now, I definitely hear you it is such a weird line of I want to be authentic I want to be myself I want to, Share things that about me that are that are real and genuine, and and that's one thing like I do for myself, and I know you do as well. Is is get political? I mean, I will talk yep. about things that matter to me online, and I I don't care if not everyone agrees. Whereas I think some people like to be more like neutral or Switzerlandy. Yep. yep. Um, and so I think for for people who like for people like us who actually do sort of speak out and stand for something, it's like, okay, well, I want to use this as something that is really an extension of who I am. But I think that's just it. It's it's an extension. It isn't you. And when someone comes up to you at an event you've created and says like, hi, I know you so well, it's kind of like, yeah, but if they hung out with you for a day, they might not like you at the end of the day because they it's true. they might be like, yeah. oh, wow, you're your personality isn't, you can't put your personality in, in a feed online. You can put aspects of it and you can kind of hint at it. Um, but humans are tangible as well. It's, you can read a book, but I don't know what, you know, T.S. Eliot was like to be with when we would eat a salad together on a Tuesday.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, and I think too, like, you we are all sort of whole people with you know with good parts and and parts and bad parts and like demons and shadows and you know special talents and things that we're afraid of and um we're so much more complex, even the most revelatory people online, even the people who sort of bear their souls and they are there um they are still so much more than what they show. And that is all to say, I think it's just people need to be really conscious of that all of the time Mm. that when that, when you feel affected, like let's say you're looking at a feed and somebody who does what you do has just had some accomplishment and you have a tinge of jealousy. Like, first of all, let's celebrate, you know, the fact that, you know, we all can have successes, but also, that doesn't mean that person's life or career is perfect or and conversely that it makes yours worse or bad or not as valid and there's this way that social media sort of makes us think these things that ten years ago we never even would have never would have occurred to us or we never would have had access to the trajectory of somebody's art or photography career for example because you know because there was no you know you might know what w- was going on with your friend's career but you didn't necessarily. Follow, you know, 2,000 strangers who did similar things as you. So I just think um, we have to be so mindful of that, so mindful. And I, just like everyone, get caught up in all of the like sort of obsessively looking and, you mm-hmm. know, curiosity about what people are doing and then judging myself if, you know, and I know that I am part of that on the other end too. That um, one time my friend Samantha Hahn, who's a Fellow illustrator. Oh yeah, I, was, I, I follow her. Her work is beautiful. Yeah, she's an amazing uh, fashion f- illustrator. Anyway, we were on the phone once. We talked periodically just to kind of compare, or you know, just sort of like bitch to each other about this and that. And <laughs> we got onto this topic of of Instagram, and she was saying, and she she was really candid when she told me this, and she was like really clear to tell me she wasn't telling me this to hurt my feelings, but that. Um, we were talking about comparison and she was like, Yeah, I know this woman who actually mentioned to me that she stopped following you um because your life seemed so happy and great. You you made her feel terrible about herself. And like, of course my heart sank because that's the last thing I want anyone to feel when they look at my feed, right? Yeah. And as it turns out, I, I probed a little more, and this woman is like pretty accomplished illustrator, illustrates from the New York the New Yorker, the New York Times, like two like clients that are on my dream list or whatever. Right. And and that's just the point of it is that like, it's all relative. Yes. And, um, and I bet you, if I met this woman in person and we sort of got to know each other, we would probably have gotten along. Great. But that's the problem is that we don't really know the other person and we don't know that their life is also fraught with other things. Um, conversely, like there are people who, are pretty negative online and just kind of do a lot of complaining and that's also problematic. So it's just, I don't know, it's hard because you can only see a part of somebody and yes, it makes me feel really weird and uncomfortable when people say they think they know me. I understand why they say it. I get it. But I think my message is you don't, you actually don't know anybody that you don't know in person and haven't spent time with. So just remember that.
0: Mm. Yes. Yep. I love that. I want, I want that. I want to, I want everyone to, to chant that together because it, it's so true. And I think that it, whether it's comparison or either the other side of things, I've unfollowed some people that are really close to me in my life. And I've actually told them, like, I, I haven't just done it and then been like, I hope they don't find out. I've said, this is going to be the weirdest conversation we maybe ever have, but... I'm gonna unfollow you and and here's why. And it's usually because I have such a hard time with the online personality that they create. And it's such right. a separation from who they really are that when I see their their posts and their work on online, I get angry and like kind of resentful because I'm like, that's fake. That's not you at all. And I just I it makes me like, be real, like that's bullshit. And I wanna. It makes me mad when I see this online thing that they're creating that is such a kind of like separation from who I know them to be and I know them really well that I just kind of am like, it's better for me to love you in real life and just love (laughs) who you are as a person and not get mad every time I see one of your posts and just be like, why are you – why are you doing this? Like, what is it about you that feels like you need to create this thing because – I know you and I know what you normally wear on a normal day. And I know what your house looks like on a normal day. And I know, you know, I know what your relationships are like. And I know, I know you, I know real you. And it makes me mad that you're trying to make this online thing that you're creating seem like real you. Um, and that I think is also really weird thing. And sometimes I even like laugh at myself and I'm like, am I insane for thinking that that's healthy? But, um, for me, it's been really, it has supported me in my relationships with a couple of these people where it has just given me more grace and more space to just love and accept them for who they are in my actual real life. Because like you said, my actual real life is totally different than um, my online my online life. And even though my online life is an extension of who I am, it isn't me. And so um, getting to kind of choose ways that Social media can augment my life, but the minute that it starts creating comparison or depression or any sort of anxiety where my life doesn't look as good as their life or I'm resenting people I actually love because of the fake the fake story that they're telling about their lives, then I'm just like, you know what? then I've, I've found myself being online far less this year. I will say, especially since the election, um, I've just been like, Whoa, okay. Whoa. You know, like there's, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of energy running really hot right now. And so it's been really nice to kind of just go on maybe like for a few minutes a day and then only post like twice a week and just space it out a little bit and have it be less of a, less of a percentage of my life, you know? It's a, it's kind of a it's a really weird crazy thing that feels like it just keeps changing.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny I can relate to a couple of things you said. First of all, I want to say that I am like 100% an advocate for unfollowing people who make you feel bad about yourself. Even if you know it's twisted, even if you know that you shouldn't feel bad about yourself, if if following certain people makes you feel bad, then don't follow them. Mm. Like until you can work on that because, um, there's no reason for that. You know, you surely follow people who make you feel hopeful and joyful and inspired. So I am uh, totally pro unfollowing and also have unfollowed people who for whatever reason, either because yeah, they're, they don't seem real to me or because I know them in real life and this other part of, you know, them feels inauthentic or because they just are doing so many amazing things. I feel terrible about myself, (laughs) you know, or whatever. Um, I really feel like I have come to terms with that to a certain extent. Like I really put blinders on and focus on my own career. I've gotten really good at, at not, you know, occasionally I have, you know, issues with of jealousy or, you know, admiring somebody and I have to just sort of turn that off. Mm. but I'm getting better at it. Like I, I do think there's a way around it, but I do agree that there's just times when you have to, um, you have to unfollow people. I have had the same experience. Um, I used to post like, I remember I taught this class for artists on creative live, like way back in 2014. It's only been three years, but I remember, in the class saying like you don't want to post more than five or six times a day. Like now that just seems insane to me. <laughs> 5 or 6 <laughs> times a day. So, yeah, yeah. Like and that's how much I used to post wow. because I didn't have many followers or whatever. And there weren't that many people as many people online at that time and I remember like now I I would never post more than 3 times a day and 3 is like in an extreme situation where I have like something to promote and I just happen to witness an amazing sunset and also whatever. Um, most of the time I post either no- nothing at all or once a day. And that feels like plenty. And I have really evolved in the last few years. And like you, especially since the climate online is so much more tense with, political situation, which I feel like I don't have the privilege of ignoring. Mm. Um, but it also, um, makes me want to pull back and take care of myself and actually go out and do some activism as opposed to just sort of ranting online. Um, so I'm posting less too and spending less time online in January and February. I was kind of obsessed with reading the news and scrolling through social media and particular Twitter. And I'm, I got so burned out on it. Mm. And so now I'm spending so much more. Um, time offline. And I've been taking these like hiatuses where I'll leave for like three days.
0: It feels really good. It feels, I mean, even, even recently with all of the Charlottesville um, and everything that's happened since then, there were some days where I was really glued. I was reading Twitter, like live feed constantly. And then I just started to go crazy. It was like, oh gosh, there's so much. And the people who are, are talking a lot online, they just keep talking like more and more and more (laughs) and like their intensity grows. And then, and then it's almost like what they're saying grows more and more extreme in their corner. And I just feel like after a while, there's just sort of two sides and they're both yelling at the same time and there's there's nothing actually like you said like put down your phone and do something that's been something that's been hard but it's also been good to to see that as a choice and to choose okay this is stressing me out like i i haven't i haven't taken a breath in 2 minutes so i'm like clearly i'm stressed because i'm just holding my breath and reading twitter um and so it's really important for me to Put it down and do something. Go, go get involved with my real body and my real, my real self. Because it is super important, I think, and I know you do too, because of your own actions. To use our voices in really powerful ways, but after a while, sometimes doing is more needed than just speaking, um, especially when everyone's talking at the same time. That is what I just start being like, okay, everyone's yelling on top of each other and we're not getting anywhere. So let's, let's put down the phones. Let's actually like channel all that energy into some action and then we can go somewhere new, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly, yeah. So, um, that's, it's all, it's really interesting. And I, I guess another question that I have for you kind of on this topic is, you know, you've had so much of your life lived online now. Mm-hmm. And I know like you, you calling them the kids, um, like in terms of <laughs> <laughs> like the millennials, what's it like to change a lot as a person and to evolve into different eras of life into different seasons? What's it like to change when you're online? Does that make
1: sense? Is that a weird question? It's not. And I, I've been really lucky in that I haven't had to go through any sort of jarring changes. Like, you know how you'll watch people who you admire, a blogger or an artist or whatever, and then they get divorced or, or somebody in their family dies or like something really horrible happens. That's just like, I knock on wood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been really lucky that while I've changed because I was in my mid thirties when I first entered the online arena and now I'm almost 50. Um, I've obviously changed. I look different. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I posted a couple of pictures of myself when I was in my thirties or I just turned 40. And like, even, you know, it looks like me, but it's like a much younger version of me. Like I'm, I'm aging literally in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And that's both weird but also cool. And I'll talk about why it's cool in a minute. And also my work has changed Mm. and often people, and that's just because artists work changes. If your work isn't changing, I think it's more problematic than if it's changing. And so people who've been following me since, um, you know, 2004 on Flickr, and there are many, you know, they are, they're it's so interesting for them to watch the evolution of my creative process, even for somebody like you, who I've known for like, you know, six or seven years, like I'm always experimenting and trying new things. I mean, my work is my work Mm. and there are definitely consistent things about it, but I'm always changing things up. And I think that's sort of, I'm writing a book right now about finding your voice as an artist that comes out in 2019. And so there's this way that you sort of find this place that you're that there are certain things about what you do that are consistent. Mm. But if you get too consistent, you're going to get stuck, right? So you've all, you always have to be sort of changing things up. And I think that's what people want to see. They want, you know, that's what engages folks who follow you is just seeing that you're innovating and trying new things and stuff like that. So that's all been really positive. And I think that I also offer up a model for people of somebody who's you know, it's an alternative to this sort of like youth culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember, which is weird to say, cause I'm only, you know, 49 years old, but I also have a book that comes out in October. Um, that's called a glorious freedom, older women leading extraordinary lives. And, Uh, It's all interviews with profiles of and essays by women over 40 about who are like basically doing incredible things or reflections on getting older. Mm. And I was interviewing Betty Reed Soskin, who is uh, who's not somebody who has an online profile, but she's a black woman who in Richmond, California, who's the oldest park ranger in the United States. She's like 96 or 97 years old. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. I know. And so one of the things that she said when I interviewed her was precisely that, that like she offers up, you know, because women are, well, people in general are working later and later into life, right? We're not retiring at a certain age and then just going to live in Florida. Like Mm. things change, you know, like people are actually working until their eighties and, you know, we're healthier and healthier now because of, advances in healthcare. And, you know, so she is really a model for what it can look like for somebody to work until they're in their nineties. And I, in some ways feel similar. Like people have watched me go through the trajectory of my career from struggling to success. And I'm also somebody who had a whole different career before this one. So I sort of am a model for what, for a different way of approaching your life. Cause I think a lot of times we think, Oh, we have to have a career and it has to last until we retire. And then we retire. And that's really an old fashioned way of thinking about things. Like in reality, you're going to have at least two or three careers in your life. Mm, so um, true. Or ways that you spend your time. And I'm, people are watching me do that in real time. Even as an artist, I'm start. you know, I'm doing new things and forging paths in my career that that are new all the time and people get to watch that happen and they they're watching somebody who's not 25 do it. They're watching somebody who's either older than they are so you know they can see what it could potentially look like down the road or they're watching somebody who's around their age and they're inspired by that because um it makes them think differently about what's possible for them. And so that's the cool part of it is that yeah, it feels a little vulnerable sometimes to have people watch you grow up over the last 15 years. But at the same time, I also think that it it's kind of cool for people like and it's cool for me to watch other people that I've watched online for a long time grow and change in their life and career. And I don't know, I think it's kind of can be inspiring.
0: Yeah. As an artist, I don't get to say I still I'm going to create and you're going to buy it like people are going to people are going to buy it as long as they want to. And what if they decide to stop? And what if it has to do with the fact that I am a different age? And so what I see and what I value is different to what they think is cool. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. And, you know, it's interesting. I have followers who are teenagers and in their 20s all the way to women in their 60s and 70s. And so one of the way – and I think because I'm the age that I am, I'm sort of smack dab in the middle of that hmm. – Um, and I have the sort of, you know, work that appeals to, to younger people, but also work that appeals to older people. And sometimes it's different what appeals to each personally. I've definitely had those fears before Mm -hmm. (laughs) myself, (laughs) so I can relate. Mm -hmm. But I think part of how I deal with them is just remembering that the world is filled with a lot of different people and that there, if you're continuing to be creative and innovative, there's always going to be an audience for your work and it might change over time. I I used to think five years ago, like, Oh, in five years I'm going to be dried up. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) people will have have moved on and yet I still continue to sell stuff. And my imagery continues to resonate with people. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because I'm changing and growing creatively and infusing what I'm learning in my life into my work a part of it is that my audience is changing too every day Mm. and maybe it's shifting to a little bit older. And so if you're attached to only appealing to one age group, then it might be true that at some point your work isn't going to be appealing. But if you remember that the consumer market and the market for, for supporting artists is like, is huge um, and spans many generations, you'll probably always have an audience as long as you're excited about what you're doing and that shines through, because I think really that's what people are attracted to.
0: I love that. You know, like, what am I attached to? It's almost like in assuming that I might wake up one day and the kids are like, Oh, she doesn't, she's not relevant anymore. Like (laughs) she's not cool. (laughs) She's she aged out. Um, What about everyone else who's aging with me? We're all in the same boat. I like that perspective and it gives me, a lot of yeah peace of just being like oh totally that makes tons of sense there's always going to be people who are connecting with what you and i and anyone else are doing as long as we're creating something that speaks a truth to them and is is resonant with us i think that's actually the thing that is the biggest deciding factor in in artwork is does this feel real did this did the artist create this because of their own truth and their own journey um or were they trying to make something just for money or make something because or yeah because it was
1: trendy or mm. whatever and i think that like that people can see through that right yes away. yes and um i've learned that I've myself a few times personally mm. but um yeah but i think if you're like making work for the reasons that you want to make it. And that, um, I mean, of course, as a commercial artist, you have to pay attention to, you know, to, to what people are interested in. Mm -hmm. Of course that should, to a certain extent. I mean, I, I think for fine artists, it's a little different, but for commercial artists, like, of course you should pay attention to, to the world and what's going on and what people are into. I'd be lying if I said that like all of my art was like purely internally driven, that said, I only focus on the stuff that is interesting or joyful to me or, you know, or something that I feel like I personally need to work through mm. in my in my art. And inevitably, you know, there's a, always a few things that I make that I'm excited about and nobody seems to care about them. Nobody wants to buy it. Nobody's that excited when I post a picture on Instagram, but 90% of the time, if I'm into some idea or I make a piece of work that's based on something personal or something that I'm passionate about, other people get excited to, and it turns into, you know, kind of financial gain for me at some point or another in some way or another. Um, but if you're so focused on your audience and not focused on what you're excited about, I think that's when you get into trouble.
0: Mm. Yep. I love that. I love that. And I, I'm really excited to hear about your book coming out, by the way. I think that's something that is, is one of those things that I'm I'm really ready for our culture to start talking about and embracing, like celebrating the people around us who are still living amazing, incredible lives. Because you're right, there is such an expectation of okay, now you retire and you become a snowbird. It was funny the other day, my, my husband is from Australia and they don't have that term. And so he, he he was like, what's a snowbird? (laughs) And I was like, Oh, that is a very American thing. It's this thing of you retire and then you move to Florida or Arizona or whatever. Um, and so it was really funny. Like, Oh, that's, that's a very culturally American phenomenon that we, that we kind of retire. And then we just like go and, and kind of hang out in a warm spot. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think for some of us, that doesn't sound appealing. And what's possible if that doesn't sound appealing? Like what's plan B? What's plan C? What is, you know, we're, we're in kind of this new era of anything goes. And so where's the path? Like, how do you follow a path when anything goes?
1: Right. And I also think there's other ways to think about that too. Like I don't never had kids. Like that's kind of a new thing now that women, even women in relationships are choosing not to have children and to focus instead on travel and career and, um, or just not that you need a reason, but like that 20, 25 years ago, even was like, that's what the expectation was. You know, if you were a fertile woman, you had kids and that's changing. And so like, I also feel like, I can be a model for what it looks like to not have kids and still have this really full, joyful life. And, um, not that my life is perfect by any stretch, but I think that's like kind of an exciting thing to be part of is just like being a person who lives a life that's a little bit unconventional.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because you're so right. That's another one of those things that we're, we're sort of starting to go, hang on a second we don't have to follow the checklist. Um, so was that something that you always felt within yourself? Like, I don't really want kids or was there a point in your life where you made that decision?
1: You know, it's interesting. I always wanted kids when I was younger. Um, and then when I was in my early twenties, I realized I was gay. So I like, I shifted my thinking about everything because this was in the early nineties and I had no models talk about like having, you know, being a model online for, you know, people now there was no internet. Then I had no one to look up to no one to to show me what my path could look like. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of what kids get today is they get to see people who are living in ways that are different than what they might have planned for themselves. So they get to see how things could look different for them and that it's actually okay. Um, in fact, it's awesome, you know, to live in a non-traditional way. Um, but I didn't have that. And so in my head I was like, okay, I can deal with the fact that I'm gay, but that's going to mean so many, like I had all these preconceived notions that my life was going to be hard, that I was going to have to live in the closet that I, you know, If I was in a relationship, I was never going to be able to get married. So I was actually super anti-marriage for a long time because it was like, well, if I can't have it, nobody should have it. You know, I I went through this, definitely went through a lot of like sort of – but deep down inside, I really did want it. In fact, I wrote this really long blog post a few years ago when I got married about, you know – I was like the most enthusiastic bride people were like commenting online about that. And I was like, yeah, it's true. I am. And that's because like, I figured like I finally have this thing that deep down inside I, I I've wanted all along. Mm. So marriage was this traditional thing that I wanted. And that fortunately now I can have both in the the legal sense and in the sort of symbolic sense. But early on, I was like, I'm never going to be able to have, get Married, and I'm never going to be able to have kids. And then when I was in my 20s, it was starting to become more acceptable for you know gay couples to either adopt or get inseminated. And the woman that I was in a relationship with for most of my 20s and into my early 30s, um, and I like explored this idea of having a kid. Mm. We ended up breaking up a few years later, so thank god that never happened because kids sort of inextricably link you to whoever you, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, And I'm sort of like, she's a wonderful woman, but I'm just glad that I, we made the choice not to, because that, you know, kid would have also had to deal with, you know, us not being together because the relationship I was destined to was doomed. But anyway, um, I kind of, by the time I was in my early thirties, I, as I mentioned, when we first started talking, I started on this creative path, um, that led to my art career. And that really became how I spent my time outside of work. And I realized by the time I was in my mid thirties, that I was so passionate about making stuff that I didn't have time for kids. And so it's not that I don't like them, but I couldn't see myself with them or didn't, you know, couldn't envision being a mom and thinking about how much fun that could be. I also, was like, Oh, I have all this other stuff in my life Mm. that I like to do. And I started, you you and I share in common that we love to travel. And like that became that and making art became like how I wanted to spend my, my time and money. And of course being in a relationship with the person that I met 10 years ago, but yeah, so I kind of shifted. I haven't always not wanted kids, but I realized as I got older that, having kids was a huge responsibility and I was watching all of my friends raise children and my sister. And I was like, Oh, it's not for me. (laughs) And it did, it felt good to make that decision. And I think that more and more women, even women in traditional straight relationships are making that choice now. And I think it's pretty awesome because, uh, you should never have kids because you feel like you should. Uh, should Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have relatives who have kids and I've even heard them say, you know, I wish that I'd realized it was a possibility to not have kids. And it that's to me is a really intense thing to hear someone that has children say. I'm kind of like, oh my right. oh my gosh, you can't say that. You you have them, you know? But I'm grateful that they're being honest because I think it's important there is kind of a an expectation, uh, maybe just a kind of a I don't know what the word is. It's, it's just kind of this assumption maybe that people who have kids are so happy that they're parents. And I think that that is very true. Um, but I don't think it's always true. And so I think that to hear someone who has kids say, I kind of wish that I realized it was possible to not have kids. Um, And I just did it because I I thought that's what I had to do in society. Um, I think hearing people say that is also important because it breaks the expectation that, no, everyone who has kids loves it. It's for everyone. I don't think it is for everyone. I don't. I don't think it's for everyone. And I also agree with you. It's a huge responsibility. And I think taking it on also means that, I mean, there's a reason why I don't have kids yet. And... Because I know that I would have to completely change my life and I would want to be super present to their needs and be able to nurture them in a way that right now I'm not interested in. Right now I'm nurturing businesses and my marriage and my adventure life of going around the world. And that's a choice. Um, but I think, like you said, knowing that that's even possible to make that choice is a new conversation, but
1: a very important one. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think that what, what we can offer other, you know, young women who might follow us online is just like a different idea or model for what their life can look like. And that's one of the ways that I think that we've been talking about how, what a sort of toxic place the internet can be, Mm. but one of the, but there are, as I mean, you and i practically live on the internet, you know, like not less now than we did maybe five years ago, but like we, you know, we have presences there. We've made a lot of friends there. We know each other through there, you know, through the internet. So many positive things have happened for us because of the internet. And I think that there are so many really wonderful things about social media. And one of them is that, you know, for example, in the, in the, African-American community right now, is reading something the other day that there are so many high, like, uh, regular people, um, in the African-American community who are like, who are starting Instagram accounts and that it's become this place for black people to find each other and get inspired and, um, organize and, you know, like so many things mm. and, um, that are really wonderful. And that social, that Instagram in particular has become this platform for black people that's super powerful. Um, I can't remember where I wrote this, but that's awesome. but that to me is an example. Also that like kids, you know, have something to look at now that shows them possibility or, you know, they find, uh, you know, they want to be an artist and they find a black artist, um, online and they follow them. Like these things were not possible 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And so it does, I think it, you know, if you use it and you use your powers for good, you can really be like a model for younger people about what their life could look like. I had this one young woman who's in high school in the South in the United States email me and she's like, you know, Basically, she's gay, but she is too scared to come out to her parents. And she wrote me this super heartfelt email about how just like watching my life gave her hope for her life. Mm. I mean, if there isn't a reason to get out of bed every morning and do what you do, it's that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was sort of mind-blowing to me. Like, and I don't even think on a daily basis that I'm providing that for somebody. Mm. But I have to remember that it's true. And that's why it's important for me to be myself. Mm. because that there are people watching and, um, and so, and and then I have like women who are older who are like, because of you, I started my own business or like, I got inspired that I could do this thing. And, um, yeah, it's really hard work and I'm struggling, but like, thank you. Mm. Um, and that's another thing that's just sort of, and so when you earlier were asking about what it's like to sort of like grow older in front of people online, I think that, yeah, it's hard, but it also is just, you know, um, you don't know who's paying attention and you might actually be helping somebody, you know, in sharing your journey to like also get through their journey.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of interesting because I'm just thinking about how amazing that is. And also how many people are out there that you're impacting that aren't even writing to you. It's right. with with being a social media presence, there is kind of no way to measure your impact. Whereas I think with a lot of other careers or even just in-person things where you're in front of someone, it can be easier to say, I saw how that affected them. Like I looked at it with my own eyes and I, I was in a room and I saw everyone and I kind of could gauge how that went. But when it's online, um, we only know what people tell us impacts them. And even then, how many people are either too shy or too embarrassed or assume that it doesn't, it's not going to even reach you. You're never
1: going to read it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so they just keep it to themselves, but you, you are still impacting them and in their real life, like you're impacting her, her real day-to-day life, not her online life. You're impacting her reality that she feels not alone and that's like the most beautiful human experience possible i think that's really amazing i love that yeah
1: yeah it's pretty cool
0: stick around for part two of this discussion where we'll dive into the online portion of social media realities this episode of out of line was produced by me caroline All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?